This is Passing for Normal, conversations with artists, activists, and awakeners about how they are seeding change in the world. I'm your host, Sharon Weil, and here I speak with fascinating, innovative change makers. We talk about how to make change, meet change, and how to find the courage to create change in your life and with those around you. Bringing new ideas into the mainstream, that's Passing for Normal. Hello and welcome to Passing for Normal, conversations about seeding change in the world. If you've reached a point in your life where you're asking what's next, then you'll want to listen to Amy Nobley, co-author of Just When You're Comfortable in Your Own Skin, It Starts to Sag. Along with her writing and business partner, Trisha Ashworth, Amy and Trisha are rewriting the rules for midlife for the next generation of women. Best-selling authors, founders of Ash and Ames, a jewelry company that empowers female artisans from around the world. They are mothers, wives, and good friends. Through their book, Amy and Tricia are providing tools to turn midlife crisis into a midlife opportunity. Welcome, Amy. Thank you. Glad to be here. Yes, I'm so glad that you're talking to me today. Your book is fun and friendly. It's an honest walk through the aspects of changes that women experience in their 30s, 40s, 50s, even 60s. -hmm. How did you decide to write a book about this? Right. So, so Trish and I have been business partners for 15 years. We never in a million years thought we'd be best-selling authors. When we first were young moms, we were having a difficult time in motherhood. And so we started to whisper around us to see if everybody else was feeling the same way. So our books are, we interview hundreds of women for each book and each topic. For this particular topic, you know, we started to, we were knee deep in this startup, this jewelry startup, and working 24 hours a day. And all of a sudden, we started hearing whispers from women all around us, like, gosh, I'm just hitting a wall. Gosh, is this really it? You know, I ticked all the boxes. I got married. I had kids. The kids are now almost out or they're out. And all of a sudden, it's like, but wait, what now? And we just heard enough to look at each other and go, uh-oh, we have to write a book. This is mm-hmm. it. Um, <laughs> we never, ever go after it. It finds us. And um, sure enough, you know, we started to interview women and heard some really common themes about this generation. Yeah, so what, what are some of those common themes that really were outstanding for you? Right. So one of the themes, uh, first of all, women just feel stuck. A lot of women feel stuck. They feel like they kind of carved, they made conscious choices. In our generation, we feel really lucky to have choices. So women feel like, wow, I made my choices. You know, I went, I carved out this amazing career, or I chose to stay home and really nurture my children, or I did a little of both. And now all these choices I thought I consciously made are kind of not fulfilling me in the way that I thought they would. Mm -hmm. And all of a sudden, you know, the kids are grown and and we kind of have forgotten about ourselves. So one of those common themes is I left myself off the priority list. Mm-hmm. And how do I get, get myself back on it? And so it's small things like, wow, self-care that a lot of us have forgotten about. Or big things like, wow, what is my real purpose here? You kind of start to ask these questions. To top it off, our moms really are a very different generation. They looked at midlife like almost like a steady decline. Like they kind of hung up everything and said, all right, it's not about me. I did my job, but I'm now just going to coast. Whereas we're, our generation looks at midlife, we hate that word, by the way, Mm -hmm. um, but we look at this like, wait a minute, 
I can be anything I want, right? Like, do I have permission now? Can I just, but we just, we never had the roadmap. So we're hoping this book kind of starts to give women that roadmap. Right. So can I ask how old you are? Yeah, I'm turning 49. Okay, so you're turning 49. So I just turned 63. Um, wow, amazing. On Monday, right? So, um, so I'm of a different generation than you are, you know, and um, I'm interested when you say that you're, so how old is your mother? So my mom's actually young, but a lot of moms of peers of mine mm-hmm. probably are 70 plus. That's right. so interesting um, because, you know, those are my friends, you know, mm-hmm, so mm-hmm. I, and I'm bringing this up just because as I was reading your book, it was very interesting to me to really read about, uh, you know, a real perception of a different generation because, you know, um, in a way I would say that many 70 year old women are also asking what's next and they're not necessarily, you know, giving that my mom's in her late eighties and even right. she's not giving it up, but <laughs> Right. Well, and and you bring up a good point. You know, this is not, there are not definitive lines. You know, we're not looking at like baby boomers, Gen X. I mean, there's a blurry line. And you're certainly, when I say this generation, it it really kind of blurs into, I mean, you're part of that because honestly, we, you know, we call, we like to call this this generation perennials. Yes. You know, you've got millennials, Gen X, you have, but, but no, there's no categorization for those of us who did have moms who didn't show us the way and now, I mean, we, we know That's plenty right. of women. We talk to women in their, well into their 60s, you know, and, and even mid, just beginning 70s who, who truly have a sparkle in their eye and say, you know, wait, what, wait a minute. Um, so, so there is a larger span there. Right. And I think, but I think the point is this, that, you know, even when you have a roadmap, it's changing. And, you know, we're living in times that are changing rapidly. So even if Mm -hmm. you, you know, came into your adulthood, you know, with an idea of this is what my life ought to be, or this is what a good life will be, you know, in terms of developing myself as a, you know, developing myself in a career, um, having a family, things change all the time. And things are changing. And so... You know how how do we how do we make the map? Yeah, that's that's the number one question. Where do you start? Um, and we're all different, right? So we're all kind of everything is shifting. All the, the the foundation below us is shifting. Everything around us is shifting. We're shifting physically and emotionally and spiritually. So really, it's kind of breaking it down into sort of kindergarten terms, it's like. Where do you need to start? You know, a lot mm-hmm. of women are struggling with career aspects. A lot of women feel lost spiritually. A lot of women feel like they're, they're changing physically and they don't know, you know, they're having difficulties. We have something called the perfect storm in this, within this generation where our parents are really aging, our kids are really aging, we're mm-hmm. hormonal, our kids are hormonal, and yeah, it's the right. perfect storm, right? And that's very different than in the past. Um, and so, you know, we're having kids later, and so this is just perpetuating itself. So, so really figuring out what are these key core issues in your life that you're struggling with and, and then breaking it down. Maybe you need a re- relationship reset. Maybe, you know, you're surrounded by 
people that really have negative energy. Maybe the marriage isn't working anymore. We talk to a lot of women who are single, suddenly single mm-hmm. at 50, 60, 70. And how does that work? Um, so really kind of pinpointing, a lot of us are just floating and, and we're just stuck, but you have to do the work. You have to sit down and what we say too is sit down with some, a couple of really good friends and almost whiteboard it out for each other and say, all right, where are you stuck? You know, where, where do you want to go? What do you want to be? What do you want to do? And have a brainstorm session. Your, your friends know you and all of your amazing qualities better than you. So, you know, just, just starting there. Absolutely. You know, you refer in the book uh, to midlife as the club you didn't sign up for. And so um, I want to know why. Why is it the club you didn't sign up for? Well, part of it is perception, right? I mean, we talked to a lot of women, and they just they, they said, well, I don't feel like I'm in midlife. I, mm-hmm. I hate that word. And that's part of it is that, you know, in prior generations, midlife looked a certain way. Well, we don't look like that. We don't act like it. We don't feel like that. There's for a lot of different reasons, right? And so, you know, we're staying healthier longer. We're, we're, we care about being fit for the most part. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's a lot of reasons why it's different. So the perception of midlife is kind of gross. I mean, across the board. So we start in the book, we have a section of let's rebrand it. Okay. Like yeah. we all hate it. So what is it? And again, the word we keep stopping on is perennials and by and large, when women heard that word, they're like, yes, yes, I, I'm a perennial. That feels right. Um, so if we kind of take what is perceived to be a negative and flip it on its head and say, you know what, this can be the better half of your life. And if you consider yourself a perennial, that it's someone who can achieve anything, be anything, do anything. And I mean, we talked to a lot of women who said, I feel more confident now than I've ever felt in my whole life. That, therefore, I feel sexier. Therefore, I feel happier. So, you know, and, and it's really an incredible time. To, to be alive in this phase uh, because we really do. I mean, sure, there is still ageism. I mean, there's still so many obstacles. Absolutely. But things are starting to shift a little bit, and that's exciting. Right, and so part of that rebranding or that reframing is okay at age 50, at age, you know, at age, yeah, at age 50, at age 60, I feel mm-hmm. more myself. I feel more powerful, more full, more wise than I ever have before, and my skin is sagging. Right. So, so how can I include sagging skin? How can I own it? How can I embrace it? You know, sure. and not reject it. Um, well, yeah, that's a great question. And, and we have a chapter about redefining beauty. And it's a really tricky thing right now because, you know, you pick up any given magazine and you've got JLo and Helen Mirren and you've got these women who look so much younger than they are. Part of it is face you know, work. False. Part of it is, you know, dermatology. Part of it is airbrushing, right? So it's, of course, if you're a celebrity, then you have access to all of these things. But on the other hand, we talk to women. So so women said, well, I do feel pressure. You know, and we said, what's the best compliment you can get? And overwhelmingly, the answer was to look younger than I am, right? Mm -hmm. And these were women in every state of different varieties. And so, so that is important to us. Let's just be clear. But on the other side of the coin, then we said, okay, when do you feel the most beautiful? Let's go that down that path. And, and I get the chills when I talk about this because it's like we heard the most beautiful answers. It's like when I 
laugh hysterically with my best friends, when I come out of a yoga class and I'm just like rosy cheeked, um, you know, when the rain is falling and I just start to run through it because I just don't care, I feel beautiful. And, and those are answers that really, you know, we'd love to hear. And so the definition of beauty is evolving and changing. What we did hear from so many women is like, I just don't care what other people think anymore, which is an amazing, therefore, if I have a wrinkle two or 40 wrinkles, it doesn't matter because I'm happy and I'm, I'm feel okay in my own skin. So it's a tricky thing, but, but the confidence is sky high. I think that is actually one of the gifts of menopause and one of the (laughs) gifts of turning 50, turning 60, you know, my friends all Mm -hmm. said, you know what? I just don't care about so many things anymore. You know, in fact, they said, I just don't give a shit what people say. You know, (laughs) I can say, or I can say whatever I feel now. There's some freedom that comes in passing into that next phase of life. So, you know, on the one hand, menopause, and I'm speaking about it because it is a physiological change that happens to every woman. We shouldn't be surprised. It Totally. And we should, it shouldn't be taboo. We all get our periods and that's something that's very well talked about. But why? Why is, we're just blown away. Why is menopause such, again, a dirty word. We talked to women who were hiding the fact that they were in menopause from their spouses. Mm-hmm. Well, because, because the, them, it, well, because yeah. the fear is that they're no longer, if, if you're completely identifying with yourself as a woman, as a reproductive woman, you know, mm-hmm. and juicy and sex, and that's also what you, you know, you, um, uh, tie your sense of sexuality into, then when right. you're no longer going to have that capacity, then you're useless and you can be thrown away. Right. That is the, that is the misconception. It's a fear. Yeah. It's a, it's a, yes. And it's a, it's a very real fear. Um, but at the same time, if we buy into that fear, then, you know, we're, we're kind of being disloyal to who we are. I mean, it's a very normal, natural state. And, you know, yes, there are, and even when we talk to different doctors, we talk to a ton of different third-party experts and we talk to different gynecologists and hormone therapy experts and we got different answers from all of them. So there's, there's a sense of confusion. There's a sense of like, it's still taboo. Not a lot of women, even among friends, um, necessarily talk about it. Like mm-hmm. maybe you have that one friend who's been through it, who's open about it. Um, not until you're in a meeting and you have a horrible hot flash and somebody, you can, you know, you turn right. to somebody and go, what am I, what's going on? So trying to normalize what that means, it's just a natural, normal shift. And like, and just, turning to each other for support. It's essential. Right. And, you know, and this is one of the things that you, this is how your book came to be, the process, how your book came to be. And one of the ways in which your book is trying to serve is to be a center of communication, right? You know, bringing people together in conversation about these things so that we're not just hiding them. We're not hiding that, you know, I don't have sex in my marriage or we're not hiding that I feel overwhelmed as a mother or we're not hiding that I'm in menopause and, and, you know, such a wild ride. I mean, that's the thing too, is that, you know, for many women, menopause is a wild ride, you know. Yes, it's so different for everybody. So there's no way to like, there's really no way to predict it and there's no way to say to somebody, oh, okay, you're in phase two now and here's what's going to happen. I mean, 
it is amazing. We talked to enough women to know that like some had vision problems, hearing problems, attention deficit. Uh, I mean, the list goes on. We could not believe mm-hmm. the various symptoms that could go along with, with menopause. And, and there's, that's very scary if you're not aware that it could be. <laughs> you're wondering, am I falling apart? Am I dying? What is going on? Right. And, it's you know, just scary. as, you know, for those women who have uh, been pregnant and understand how their body just <laughs> becomes taken over by hormones, oh, yeah. um, you know, unrecognizable to how they've been before in menopause as well. You know, the hormones play such a vital role in how we feel and are and, you know, our health at any given time of our life, right? It's so true. And, you know, we can take control to a certain aspect. There are a lot of brand new therapies. Um, there's a couple that we know of coming um, for hot flashes without hormones, which is amazing. Um, but there are things you can do. And if you, you know, one, one tip is, you know, if you go to your doctor and your doctor sort of says, oh, no, you're fine, which happened to Trisha. She went and she said, I don't know. What do you think? Should I start to get tested in terms of like hormone levels? And she's like, hmm. oh, no, you're X age. So forget it. You're not. So if you're not getting kind of an open mind um, from your doctor, switch doctors, because there are ways that you can kind of get tested and see where you are. And just you can have an open, honest discussion. I mean, that's where it starts. Yes. And, you know, I just want to mention that um, one of my previous guests, Dr. Sherry Ross, has written a wonderful book called Sheology, which is uh, all the different phases of a woman's life from the point of view of her vagina. And um, <laughs> so great, and she, so great. I love it. And she talks about um, she talks a lot about menopause and and how that is sort of a a, a forsaken uh, time of women's sexuality. Um, and so anyway, I'm just I'm just recommending yeah. that you may want to speak to her or you know somebody may want to check out her book. Um, but you know in in other cultures and in ancient cultures, you know, there mm-hmm. is the idea that, um, that the woman becomes the crone and that mm-hmm. she becomes the wise woman when she uh, enters and finishes menopause. And that literally the energies in the body move from the sexual center up into the crown. That's the word crone. And so right. there is a reverence not just a reverence in the culture coming towards the woman, but a reverence from herself, really acknowledging that, you know, so, you know, your book is talking about midlife, like in the 40s, 50s, but soon after that, the woman has an opportunity to become the crone and really step into her wisdom, step own her um, you know, she becomes the matriarch of her family, or she becomes the center of her village, or she becomes the center yes. of her own knowing, right? This is what we're talking about. It's amazing. About. Yes, yes, that's, that's incredible. And we, um, we, talk a lot, we talk about spirituality in the book. We, we have worked with a shaman over the years. Mm-hmm. He's incredible. And he talks so much about that, how even, you know, starting in your 60s and beyond is really the time where we're moving into the feminism. Um, We're moving into the feminine so that um, women really obviously are taking more of the reins on every level in this world. And that will only continue to grow as we, as we really embrace and our voice, you know, our true voice, because that's when, that's when it really hits. That's when you start to really feel it. I mean, we talked to women who are late 50s saying, wow, I never, ever, I have never found my voice. And mm-hmm. it is. That's and right. so that's, that's what it's about. Yeah. Right. And so in a way, 
when you're freed of the children, when you're, you know, as wonderful as raising children is, and I love raising children, my children, Mm -hmm. um, you know, when you are freed from, um, from that, uh, day to day detail of raising children, um, you can spread out, you know, you can, uh, claim your ground, claim your voice. And so in terms of, of, um, creating this roadmap, we need to include in the roadmap this uh, this wonderful place that women can arrive at, a wonderful place mm-hmm. of empowerment that they really can arrive at. It's not about 100%. right. It's not about decline and being marginalized. Even though there's plenty about our culture that wants to marginalize women um, after a certain age, but it's up to us to say we're not marginalized. We're just getting fabulous we're getting more fabulous exactly, exactly. in fact we're just getting started we're and just getting started. you know one love I, we love watching may musk elon musk's mother um mm-hmm. is literally she has been a fashion she's been a lot of things but she was a fashion model for a while and as she started to get into her 50s she started to become really marginalized and would not they no one would hire her and no one would hire her for fashion right mm-hmm. and now I, I think she's 70 something um she is now back in fashion and it's amazing if you watch her or look at her Instagram because she is stunningly gorgeous with this mm-hmm. shocking gray, you know, light gray hair and and she just she just is proud to say, Listen, I'm me and I don't get Botox and I'm a model and this is amazing. and what a role model. It's incredible. Yes. Right. And so every time somebody steps forward to become a role model, every time we step forward to become a role model, it creates that possibility for other people. You know, other people see that and say, oh, look at her. She's doing that. Mm -hmm. I can do that, too. Absolutely. It's so true. And that's why, you know, we really stress the importance. We talk to a lot of women who feel really lonely Mm -hmm. and, you know, you lose kind of different different groups of friends. You had the groups of school friends because right. of your children. And and so a lot of women feel really lonely and they, they're wondering, you know, do I even have permission? And so the importance of banding together, the importance of getting a group together to, to do, you know, if you love gardening or if you love to play tennis or if you love to create art, whatever it is, like physically get that group and get them together frequently because that will become your tribe. Those women will become your tribe. Some of us are lucky to have a tribe. Others sort of need to create it. And that way, you know, you can sort of reimagine your life um, together, your lives. Right. And it's also, you know, sometimes the tribe of school moms, you know, that you're, that you're with um, for many years. I mean, it's your tribe because of your kids, but it's not necessarily your tribe because those are your chosen people. Right. And now you get to choose, you get to keep choosing again as you have a stronger sense of yourself um, and what it is you want to do. So let's, I think that's, Exactly right. Yes. Yeah, so let's, you know, you talk in your book about looking for balance and you also talk about looking for purpose. And I think those are two different things because really, right. you know, life is not balanced. <laughs> life is very imbalanced and, and can be very upended. And, and, you know, in my view, that's what makes for creativity is being off balance. You know, you don't want to be so <laughs> off balance that you can't function, but you know, when we are, when we are too stable, um, we're not getting a lot of new, fresh information, but, but, um, 
you know, a woman who is uh, balancing family, marriage, career, parents, I mean, that's a lot of juggling. So what do you, what do you think about how to find balance? Yes, we did. We did. We talked to a lot of women who just feel overwhelmed because I agree with you. We agree with you that it's almost like if you, the analogy is when you're working out, you know, if you're a little off balance, then your core works harder uh, to build itself Mm -hmm. up so that you can stay balanced internally. And you always want to shock your body a little bit. You always want to stay a little off balance, but when it becomes too much, it becomes overwhelming and then you get stuck. And so to create some sort of direction for yourself, it's just, it's essential that, you know, we talk to women who, who left themselves completely off the priority list mm-hmm. and, and literally forgot about themselves. It may sound simple, but self-care and, and figuring out what your non-negotiables are. And, you're, and you can have non-negotiables every single day, and you should. And so many women just looked at us like, well, what do you mean? I'm just I'm, I'm juggling so fast <laughs> that I'm barely getting sleep. I don't know what you're talking yeah. about. Mm-hmm. And, you know, for us, it's for me personally and for Trish, we're similar. It's meditating twice a day for 20 minutes, and it's mm-hmm. working out most days um, when we can. And it's not always perfect, but we, it's on the fa- family calendar. Everybody knows it. You know, when my, a kid of ours walks in and we're sitting on the couch with our eyes closed, they know not to talk to us, mm-hmm. and that's 20 precious minutes. So really, it all begins with self-care. And then you can kind of start to tune into, you know, what are you, what are you doing that maybe you can outsource? What are you doing that you can kind of set aside? Everything can wait for five minutes. Absolutely. doesn't matter what it is. Everything. Everything can wait five minutes. So really breathing into, you know, we're, we're, we're conditioned as a generation to be over the top, you mm-hmm. know, kind of perfectionist yes. um, and very type A and we've got to slow down and we've got to realize that it's okay. You know, it's okay to be imperfect. Not, not everything is going to get done, but self-care has got to be a priority. And I think it's also really important to recognize that things move in phases and right. that you may not get to everything all the time. You know, this, you know, rather than you could say, yeah, this can wait till tomorrow, but you may even say this can wait till next year. Yeah, absolutely. That's such a good point. Um, You know, we, we tend to like be everybody to be everything to everybody all the time. And learning to say no is really, really big or just to postpone and say, you know, I'm not going to get involved in that right now, or I can't, I'm sorry, I can't do that. But also saying no without an explanation is a really big one. We're so used to giving a whole excuse why we, it's like, no, no is good enough. No is enough. And then move on. Let it go. The idea that we can do everything at the same time is really, um, you know, put such enormous pressure on us. I mean, when you're in the phase of life where you're raising your kids, that is a priority and it's going to take a certain amount of of your day, of your time, you know, there are times for, there are better times than others for doing certain things, right? There are better times than others for building your career. There are better times than others for, you know, putting your attention on your family because everything will change. And this is the point that I'm making in my changeability books is that Mm -hmm. change is happening all the time. It's going to change and change and Mm -hmm. change again. Don't be surprised. But also, well, that's the only guarantee. We always say the only guarantee in life is change. And once we kind of put our arms around that, then, you know, there's a, there, once you kind of 
hone in on that, then you have the ability to live in the moment more and appreciate when there's a really dreamy, amazing moment Mm -hmm. because that's going to change. But also know that when you're in a really tough moment, just you can't imagine moving forward from that that's also going to change. That's so, also going to change. Yes. Yeah. And not necessarily yep. get worse. I mean, that's that's the fear. Well, you know, listen, when you're in a bad listen. place, it's going to get worse. Well, it, it may, but but no, no. That again, that's temporary. Mm-hmm. You know, and so if we kind of move through life knowing that, you know, wow, this moment is so beautiful and magical. And I'm going to hold on to that, and I'm not going to worry about anything else. I'm just going to hold on to that. We, we tend to throw those away so easily. Mm-hmm. And it's really, you know, you know it. We know it when we're in one of those moments. And it could be a small moment. It could just be a magical moment with a friend where you're like, oh, my gosh, we're watching the sunrise. This is incredible. Let's just be here yeah. in this beautiful moment. And that's just, we don't do that enough. It's important. It's important. And even as you're saying, even in our busyness, you know, in the fullness of our complex lives, we can, even at every moment, recognize where we are and say, this is, you know, I'm right here right now. I'm doing this. I'm with my child. I'm with my friend. I'm doing good work or I'm doing a challenging piece of work. But to recognize... And right. And yeah, to recognize that and, you know, not to preach meditation, but it certainly helps. Um, it helps you truly, literally, and figuratively breathe into the different moments throughout your day in a very palpable way, in a very different way. And some of that can be mindfulness. You know, some women like to, when they're gardening or when they're um, taking a walk, I mean, whatever it is for you. But, um, but that's, that's really, really essential. And it can help you. It can help kind of all, like really shift the way that you you feel. I mean, some women will say, I used to be a pessimist. And when I started to really be mindful of, of all the moments and feel grateful on a daily basis, um, then things started to shift. Absolutely. And just being present, being embodied, you know, being with your breath, being with the sensations around you, the beauty around you, there's always something to attend that will um, bring us right where we are. It's true. It's true. And also to, to realize that you're not alone. There are other women going through the same exact thing that you're going through. And if you've got even just one, um, one can make, one person can make the biggest difference to just reach out to and say, am I crazy? This is, feels overwhelming. No, you can get through it. It's okay. And, and also knowing that the universe is really big and we're really tiny. So there's, you know, there's the world around us. Um, there's, there's a, there's a lot more to it. And, you know, where do we fit in? And spirituality is kind of a big part of that, no matter where you fall on that spectrum to know that, um, you know, there's, there's a lot more out there. Yes. And that, you know, it is about our connection to a larger world, whether that larger world is, Uh, the city you live in, the country you live in, the universe you live in, you know, a connection to spirit. We are part of something much larger and always connected. And the more that we can feel our connection, and that's one of the things that meditation brings is the felt sense of connection. And when you feel connected, you don't feel isolated. It's very, very true. Um, And what goes hand in hand with feeling connected is sort of giving back and, you know, giving back, although it might sound, 
trite, whatever that means for you, it's so essential. You know, the minute you smile at a stranger, you, know, you have no idea the impact that can be for them. Um, and it can be in the smallest of ways and, and working, working up for that. I mean, when we talk to women, one of the overwhelmingly what we heard is, I feel most fulfilled when I'm helping, when I'm mm-hmm. serving, whatever that means for you. And that could be volunteering. I mean, a million definitions for it. But when we connect with others without expectation, I mean, that's the important part. Connection is really important. But yes. without expectation, when you go through your day like that, then, you know, you're receiving a different kind of joy from a smile, smiling at a stranger or chatting with someone in the grocery store line or, you know, it's more of that bright-eyed, curious, like, kid-like wonder that so many of us have shut out. And we talk about that in the book is seeing life through the eyes of a child or a teenager, you know. Our teenagers can teach us a lot. You know, they, they'll say, well, why not me? Why can't I? Uh, whatever. If I fail, mm-hmm. who cares? I'll just move on. And so to, like, you know, we play games, um, my group of friends and I, like, literal games um, to just get us being silly and get us out of our own stuff every day and the adult-like pressures. And once you start to play like a child, it's incredible. It's incredible. It's transformational. Fantastic. Amy, I have loved this conversation. I really have um, learned so much from you and just enjoyed um, the connection you know, I agree. This is lovely. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So before we end, um, I would love it if you could let our listeners know how best they can find you and Tricia and your books and everything that you're doing. That's great. It's really simple. Um, we talked a lot about the word perennials. So our website is weareperennials.co. So weareperennials.co, and you can find absolutely everything there. It's our story and the book and books and all of it. Wonderful. Well, thank you so much, and um, thank you for uh, gathering you know, women and for encouraging women, uh, and not just women, but men too. I mean, when you're focused on women, you're not just focused on women. (laughs) It's about, you know, creating change for everyone. But, um, thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you. Have a great day. This has been Passing for Normal, conversations about change. To find out more about author Sharon Weil, go to SharonWeilAuthor.com. You can also find out more about the Changeability books and about all the guests featured in this podcast at that website. Large or small, go out today and make a brave change. Whether creating something new or responding to a changing world, navigating change is the new stability.